0: It's time for episode 284 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, March 6th, 2019. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes.
1: Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's twice as long as the gestation period for a unicorn. Well, probably. <laughs> Who knows? I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and we are doing fairy facts and unicorn facts today. I'm joined across this vast and ever-changing internet by my co-host, Dan Morin. How are you doing, Dan?
0: I'm doing well. I feel that I've learned a lot today, Micah, including that, I guess, does that mean like two unicorns could be born during the course of this podcast
1: holy moly two unicorns probably are born during the course of this podcast <laughs> but you have excellent. to ring a bell for a unicorn to be born
0: mm-hmm. excellent
1: <laughs> so keep that in mind folks i'll think about that <laughs> uh of course we have two wonderful guests uh to my left is the host of mac break weekly and the host of material right here on relay it is andy and hello andy
0: Thanks for remembering. Hi, Micah. <laughs> Hello, Dan. <laughs> and to my left, it is iMore's managing editor, and as I understand, a baker of really great cookies. I hope she brought <laughs> some cookies for us today. It's Lori Gill. Hi, Lori.
2: Hi, how are you?
0: I- I'm doing well, uh,
2: but I now did... I want cookies.
0: Yeah,
1: I cookies?
2: did actually make some really good lemon bars the other night. They're really, really good. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Oh my lemon goodness. bars are
1: my thing. Like, oh, that's the thing that I make that people like, so we're both oh. lemon bar pals. <laughs>
2: Micah, I have a mayor lemon tree in my backyard, so oh, okay. I, I should send them to you.
1: <laughs> you win. You've got the tree right in your backyard. Oh, wow. Well, while I dream of fruit trees in my backyard, I suppose <laughs> we should get this show rolling. You know how it works. We've got four topics in 30 minutes. I'm going to kick things off with mine. iPhones with third-party batteries are reportedly now eligible for repairs. I'm curious, have you done any repairs on your devices yourself and if so, what was the last repair you
3: worked on? Andy, we'll start with you. Uh, definitely would be my MacBook Pro where the uh, the SSD died and I replaced it with a brand new SSD, slightly larger size. And because this was a 2015 MacBook Pro, I didn't have to spend three $2,000 on a whole brand new machine. You see, the, the, because these internal devices are replaceable, which was a thing that Apple seemed to think was a big deal uh, in 2015 and every year previous, I was able to simply buy a commonly available memory module uh, for about $140, uh, buy a simple uh, $12 like connector adapter to make sure it would work uh, in the old-style adapter uh, s- uh, slot that was in there in the old. And after just undoing six screws and about 10 minutes worth of, quote, work, unquote, I had a fully functional machine all, all ready to go, even though it was way out of, even though it was way out of warranty, uh, and I'm not, li- I'm not licensed, uh, nor endorsed as a t- Apple technician. <laughs> now, this is going to be weird for a lot of people to hear, but this used to be fairly common. The ability to just undo some screws and say, what part of this is broken? Oh, it's the hard drive. Hey, there it is right there. I'll just unplug it and plug in one that actually works. Uh and it uh, it was a fun time. It was a really fun time. Obama was president as well, which was which was also really really fun. Uh. I'm just, let's just, it was wonderful. Uh,
0: Mike, I know you weren't here last week, but I did touch upon this a little bit at that point, which was uh, my Mac Mini has had a bit of a catastrophe. And like Andy, I have a lot of experience opening up computers and replacing stuff. And I have a Mac Mini that is from 2012, that same glory (laughs) yesteryear when you could replace parts of it. Uh, So I popped it open and uh, was looking to replace a drive that had gone bad, Uh, and I had upgraded and added a second drive in this Mac Mini a while back and turned it into my own Fusion drive. Something had gone horribly wrong, and I had to put in a new drive, and I have been battling with this for a while because it turns out that either the drive I got was bad or a cable is broken because it's still... uh, The Mac Mini is functioning currently, but it is... It is still in need of surgery because it's running off an external hard drive. So, yeah, I've done a lot of repairs on computers. It is, as Andy says, a lot harder with a lot more modern machines now because everything is attached to to the motherboard and everything is really tiny and stuff is soldered in place, which makes it more of a pain. But some of that is the price we pay for having tiny little very light machines. Um, I am planning on doing a replacement of my MacBook Air battery because that has been really wonky for several months now. So that will be my next project, along with actually hopefully fixing that Mac Mini and not having to buy a new one by spending, again, well over $1,000. So I'm a big fan of repairing things when possible, but sadly, not as feasible as it used to be. Lori, what about you?
2: Do you remember when MacBooks had a battery on the bottom that you yeah. could just like twist <laughs> off and replace? Yep. Man, those were the days. That was the day. <laughs> I have actually never repaired or replaced anything on any of my gadgets. I It's just a, a something I just haven't taken the time to, to get into, fear mostly. Um, but I do have a very strong conviction that the right to repair is something that we all should have. And um, when Micah brought this up, the first thing I thought of was the fact that What Apple did with with allowing um, technicians to work on iPhones that have a third-party battery in it is a step in the right direction because we should not be forced to stick with official um, Apple technicians or Samsung technicians or whatever the company is. If we want to do something like change a battery, we shouldn't then not be able to get our screen fixed. They're completely different. It's like going in to get an oil change and the dealer saying we can't give you an oil change because you replace the tires at Goodyear. It, they don't yeah. mat- they don't match and we should be allowed to work on our devices without suffering any kind of repercussion for it. So though I don't repair any of my devices, I strongly believe in the right to repair.
1: Amen. Uh, all good answers all around, of course. Um, I like to repair stuff. The last thing I worked on, actually, my partner uh, just recently back from Australia. And I don't know if you know this, but Australia is really, really hot right now. Um, and the feet on his MacBook Pro, uh, the adhesive Came undone, and so two of the feet were were completely gone whenever he came back. So, uh, we sat down and I removed the remaining adhesive on them and popped in some new feet that we got from iFixit. Uh, so that one was one of the more simple things, but, uh, at any at any point you could probably come into my house and find something that has been taken apart and is being either worked on or simply looked at because occasionally you find a hidden microphone in something that you didn't expect to be there (laughs) (laughs) and it's a whole nightmare and uh yeah so that is that and we are ready
3: to move on to the next topic which comes from andy okay well at mobile world congress so uh, a french company unleashed upon the world the energizer power max phone this is an Android phone that has a 18... Thousand <laughs> milliamp battery. Uh, the good news is that because of that huge battery, it delivers six days of uptime of like regular use and over a month and a half of standby time. The bad news is that it's three quarters of an inch thick and apparently whoever has had a chance to use one has not been uh, legally allowed to say how much it exactly weighs. Let's just say it weighs a lot. But it does mean one thing: that all rules for dignified size and weight for a phone are off. So. Let, let, let's let our imaginations kind of run wild here. What feature would you want to have in a phone re, re, within a certain amount of, of reliability if features did not have to take a backseat to lightness and thinness?
0: That's a great question. Yeah, uh, I saw the pictures of that phone, and it's it literally looks like a brick. Uh, my, my snarky answer is a headphone jack. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even and think this that.
3: And three quarter adds- of an inch thick phone does not have a headphone jack. It ain't right. What?
0: But you know, I assume that doesn't take up that much space. Um, I think it would probably be. God, I, I don't want to necessarily like a huge, like a like an enormous phone, but I, I do think a bigger screen is something that pretty much everybody clearly desires out of their phone. And if there are a way to do that in such a fashion as to, you know, basically trade off some thickness uh, for a bigger phone for a bigger screen, I would be in favor of that. But also just in general, I also wouldn't mind just a thicker phone. I find the smaller and smaller phones get, the less comfortable and ergonomic they are. Um, And so they're so thin sometimes, it's just like uncomfortable to use them. So I I don't mind having a a trade-off just of a a thicker phone so that I can have, you know, not have to worry about like accidentally cutting myself because my (laughs) phone is razor sharp.
2: Cameras, cameras, cameras. I want all the cameras I want them to be um extra amazing and and all optical and I want to be able to zoom in when I'm at a, a football Ooh. game and be able to see the nose hairs on <laughs> the quarterback I think um if if you know if size and weight were out the window and and technology was somehow magical I think it's all about the cameras for me.
1: I would honestly, I wouldn't opt for the Energizer size battery, but I would opt for a bigger battery so that I could have an ambient screen. Um, I really like the idea of sort of having an always on screen where I can peek at it at any moment and, uh, see sort of the time, see without having to, you know, turn on the display. So even, even maybe not a, a more battery, but just, there's that phone where one side is e-ink and one side is screen normal Mm -hmm. screen. I like that idea. I think that's fun. I I really like e-ink anyway and it'd be kind of handy to have sort of always on notifications and time and stuff like that. So you can thicken up my phone if it means I get a screen that never turns off. Andy, (laughs) any last thoughts on that?
3: Uh, a lot of my favorite ideas have been taken. I would love to see a, tw- a, so, a standard Sony 20 megapixel sensor inside the body of the camera with real optics and a real zoom. That would be just, that would be worth anything. I would, I would definitely, and the ability to also still have that sort of computational photography features that you see in a modern phone. Uh, and I would also like to see a larger battery. Uh, if I'm going to choose something that's unique, I would actually like to see a portfolio-style phone, something that's about the size of of like a a, an iPhone uh, eight plus or or along those lines. But basically, it's there's there are two screens. They're separated by a hinge. It is a folding phone, but the old fashioned. There's just like a there's a a hinge in the middle, so that while I'm reading, I can actually have like a two page sort of thing, or I can have a couple of different screens for a couple of different apps, so I can actually have like the Lyft app on one screen while I'm taking. I'm keeping an eye on where my where my car is uh, while the other side I'm reading a manuscript or doing something else, and then be able to rotate that hinge 180 degrees so that I could still have the sort of pocketable one side phone, or I could have it work like a two in one that like you have on uh, Chromebooks and Windows machines, so I could basically tent it up and use it sort of like as its own little easel. Uh, I would definitely take a, a thicker phone if I could have that kind of th- that kind of a feature set.
1: Awesome. Well, folks, we have reached halftime, which means it's time to tell you about our pals at Linode. This episode of course is brought to you by Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud. And guess what? You can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Linode serves its customers with the help of 10 data centers across the globe, and they're about to add more. Mumbai, India, and Toronto, Canada will both have, will all have data centers before 2020. Uh, Linode features native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors, meaning you're going to be able to serve your customers even faster than before. And so you don't have to stress out about overspending. Linode has designed their pricing tiers to feature hourly billing with the added bonus of a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services such as backups. And node balancers, which is a word I really like. Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. Their plan started a gig of RAM for just five bucks a month. And they've got a high memory plan that starts with 16 gigs of RAM. And Linode has a special offer just for you, listener. You can go to Linode.com slash clockwise and use the promo code clockwise 2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. On the gig of RAM plan, that's what math for free months with a seven day money back guarantee. you have have nothing to lose. So give Linode a try today. That's Linode.com/slash clockwise and the promo code Clockwise2019. To learn more, sign up and make the most of that $20 credit. Thanks so much to Linode for their support of this show, for Relay FM, and for being great. All right, Dan.
0: What have you got for us? So the new WebAuthn standard, besides being really hard to pronounce, uh, (laughs) will allow more sites to use authentication with hardware keys and biometrics. My question for you folks is, has you ever used a hardware security key for logging into some of your accounts? What was your experience? Would you use one if you haven't? And could this be the beginning of the end for the venerable password? Laurie?
2: So I've never used a hardware key for passwords before, but I am big on making sure that our passwords are unique and different and each one is something uh, something else, not just using the same one over and over again. So I do love this idea. And now that the WebAuth standard is more broad, more sort of widespread, I'm definitely going to be investing in a hardware key. Um, I do not think... That this will be the end of passwords partly because I don't think people use passwords as well as they should. I think there's a lot of people that are still out there that are using, you know, one, two, three, four dad on their, (laughs) on, on, you know, 25 of their different accounts. And we don't realize how important having a secure and unique password for each and, and each individual account is, especially when we have more and more things that we need to sign up for all the time. So um, I just, I don't think people are going to care enough to want to really promote this idea of this um, authentication key, um, hardware key, which is obviously an easier way to navigate passwords, but it, it's just not going to be, I don't think it's going to be welcomed into consu- general consumerism as much as it would it should be.
1: I was trying to find back, uh, it's been a few years now, um, a colleague and I, wrote and produced a video um, about sort of the history of passwords, where passwords were at the time and sort of talking to um People in this field of sort of crypto and and um, password, I mean the whole the whole kit and caboodle, professionals in that field, and everyone was basically saying we're never going to really see an end to passwords. And everyone, all of these brands that are trying to sort of market these things will say this is the end of passwords, but we could be very far away from that being the true end of passwords, just because of how much work it will take to sort of redo this. So I don't know that we're there yet. But maybe between the time that we did that video and now that <laughs> all of that has been going into place. But this just feels like another, uh, it's a step in the right direction, but it feels like it's just
3: another step. Um, so we'll see. We'll get there eventually. Andy, what are your thoughts? Uh, I have used uh, hardware authentication for a couple of different projects, uh, and they're great when you're talking about the sort of security you need where you are intimidated by the bad things that would happen if security were compromised. I would be kind of worried if I had to use that kind of authentication and everything because it's a physical thing. I need to, uh, keeping track of it isn't a problem, but making sure that it's always at hand when and where I need it is a problem. Because when you think about how ubiquitous computing devices are, that there are times where, like, the first thing I do when I wake up is to pull my, pull the, uh, my MacBook off the nightstand into bed and start, uh, and, and start where I left off last night. Uh, and uh, you know, I, this this morning I almost was late for something because I could not find my phone. Mm-hmm. I needed a call for a lift, and it was just like underneath my pillow the whole time. So that's that's the sort of thing that I would do if I were required to have an authentication device everywhere. What I really do like about WebAuthn is that. It gives people the ability to choose whatever sort of mechanism they think is appropriate for this sort of situation, Uh, be it uh, fingerprint, be it uh, other biometrics, be it uh, a hardware device, or be it just a a good, strong password. And and so passwords will always have a place. I'm just just glad that there's going to be a framework so that people who really do want that extra level of both security and inconvenience are willing to sign up for it.
0: Yeah, I think Andy's totally right about there sort of being a sliding scale when it comes to this kind of security because, uh, you know, there are things that you want protected very closely, your bank accounts, uh, your Apple ID, right? Like those things are things where it is kind of catastrophic if it gets compromised. And if you want to engage in a little more security uh, and are willing to trade off some convenience, then that that seems like a good place to do that. I have, I've never used a hardware key. I found myself tempted. I saw one, um, The Verge had a roundup a couple weeks ago of like what was the best option sort of right now. And I, and I'm intrigued because like Laurie, I, I try to really make the, the best of like my security practices. But, you know, these days I do at least make sure that I have two factor authentication on and that I'm not using texted, uh, as like codes where it is possible, but it's, it's nice that there is, a, like a standardization framework coming that will let you sort of choose your, your security level and comfort. So thank you all for your thoughts on that. Let us go to our final topic of today, which comes from Lori.
2: So uh, August just recently launched a new doorbell camera called the August View, and it immediately made me think about the Ring doorbell and how the information came out that some employees over in the, I think it was the Ukraine, were Given unfettered access to our video feeds. So how do you feel about, um, video doorbells or video security? Do you trust third, third party, um, companies with your privacy? Do you just feel like, well, they're a good company, so we're good to go? Or do you feel, I don't know if I really want my baby's camera feed up on some random stranger's computer.
1: So I have to, have to be honest with everyone here. I have, um, I have a Logitech Circle camera that uh, is, is set up. It's actually the company makes a window mount. And so you can stick it to like suctions to the inside of the window. So I can look out of a window and see things, you know, out and about. I, that camera like Logitech is a company that is established that is known that I trust. And so that camera sort of just does its thing. And I'm not worried about it. But then I have one in my house that's made by a company that is not as established and is not like a brand that I know and trust. And so, it is uh, it is made to sit inside of the house and sort of look over the house so that while I'm out, I can check in on the dogs, make sure they're okay, and that kind of thing. That camera, I physically turn so that it faces a wall (laughs) while I'm at home. And before I leave to go anywhere, then I turn it around (laughs) and face it to everything. Because for some reason, I don't trust that camera. It is like... I you know there's I've not heard any sort of uh reports that this particular brand has had breaches or anything like that, but it's just it's not a brand that I know and trust and a company that i I know and trust, and so it doesn't get my trust. it faces the wall and doesn't get to look at anything that's happening in my house while I'm in it. I do have an August doorbell as well uh and see that's the thing is that selfish as it is. I'm not concerned about cameras that are facing away from my home if someone tunes into those. It's the cameras that are facing into my home that I'm worried about people, you know, looking at or seeing. Yeah, if it's not a company I trust, I'm kind of like, eh, I'm just going to side eye you and make sure you can't see me. Andy, what are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I'm kind of on your side there. I'm really sca- I'm really really cautious about companies that I haven't heard of. That are making even fantastically wonderful security products like that. Because if the, 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 the purpose of wonderful little companies is to be bought out by less Ooh. wonderful, really, really big companies. That's their goal, really. And so what happens when August view is bought by Facebook? Oh God. <laughs> and so, and, and now, and now that really, really wonderful, exemplary privacy policy that I agree to. It falls into like Section 28, sub-subsection C, which is oh, and by the way, if we get bought up by another company, we can change all this changes to whatever the new company wants, uh, and also. Uh, the security camera really has to be for my benefit. It, it sounds like a stupid thing to say, but it really has to it's not it's not benefiting me if I'm inside the house <laughs> and uh, and it's just it's just giving me a view of like me hanging out in my living room. The horrible thing is that security cameras do a lot of good and not just for. Uh, giving you a, f- a fuzzy image of the person who just ripped you off. That the police will say, even so, we can't do anything about this. <laughs> <laughs> my previous homes, there were. Uh, I always had like a camera with whatever the technology was between last year and fifteen years ago, just pointed at the driveway. So if I'm, if it's nine thirty a.m. and I'm still in bed and I hear like some sort of a truck like pass by or slow down, I just want to be able to like click a button, see if that... Oh, is that the FedEx guy? Mm-hmm. Okay, def- I definitely need to throw on some pants, get down there and be prepared to sign <laughs> for something mm-hmm. as opposed to, no, it's just like the garden tr- garden contractors next door. I, w- I would have rushed downstairs for absolutely nothing.
0: I have one smart security camera in the office which is set to, you know... Yes, I, I'm probably not quite as distrustful. It's set to like a privacy mode when anybody registers as being in the house because it sort of auto-detects that. I've never really... Tr- had a lot of interest in the smart doorbell thing. I think maybe part of it is just a. I live in uh, in an apartment. Uh, that I rent. So, you know, adding other uh, uh, smart tech to certain parts of the home is a little bit more challenging. And B, because of, again, like I live in like a, a house on like a residential street. Also, I work at home. So I'm home most of the day. Uh, and I think, you know, Andy makes a great point about these companies tending to get absorbed by larger companies, which of course ring is now part of Amazon. Uh, so if you have concerns about Amazon's treatment of your private data, then that would be a non-starter. Um, but in general, I think for me, uh, I tend to worry less about some aspects of that. I have a bunch of like the voice activated assistants. Uh cameras obviously are are um are more of a concern. Uh and for my my fiance definitely is like no smart cameras in the house. <laughs> uh so that is pretty much the uh the, the where the line gets drawn there, I guess.
2: Yeah, so you all pretty much kind of touched on the same concerns that I have, especially when it comes to um a company that you currently trust, but then they'll get bought out by a larger company that maybe you don't trust. And if you've already invested in a lot of, a lot of money into the, the hardware, do you just throw it on the garbage once they get bought by a company that you don't trust as much? So the idea of having um, security cameras facing in or facing out is, is definitely, Kind of a, a thing for us to consider going forward as to like our bet the best ways that we can protect ourselves from them. I know that um, I think it's uh, Netmo um, is making a home kit smart doorbell. Um, it's not available yet, but they don't even have cloud service. They it, your recordings are stored on an SD card inside the doorbell, which I think is probably um, the best sort of most secure idea. I like the idea of, of a sort of standalone. Um, recording you know like the the old security cameras they you know you had vhs tapes back <laughs> in the day stored in a closet and, and i prefer this idea that you get a little bit more privacy and protection when you're in complete control over where those videos are being stored
1: all righty folks uh we have reached the end of another episode of clockwise however we've got just enough time for a bonus topic this episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Copy and paste isn't a good way to keep track of the things you type again and again. Text Expander makes you more productive by taking care of all those words and phrases for you. You can store frequently used phrases into snippets and they'll expand with a short abbreviation as you type. Text Expander works in all your apps and you can use it everywhere. Apple's pages, Microsoft Word and Excel. I mean, everything, everything in your computer. And the shiny new Text Expander 6.5 is out now. There's a new visual editor for snippets. So you can see visual, visually how fill-ins, dates, date math, nested snippets, and more all work. And automation is even easier with JavaScript syntax highlighting. I didn't even know all this stuff was out. I'm so excited to play with Text Expander after this episode. Don't forget to search for their blog for industry tips and snippet tricks. I love Text Expander. I've talked before about how it's like having, uh, gum at school where you could, you'd be the, the person that everyone's like, Oh, could I have a piece of that gum? And then everyone's your friend because you've got gum. Same thing works if you've got snippets that you can share with your colleagues at work. I have shared Mm -hmm. plenty of snippets with Lori and with Mm -hmm. others, uh, where it just makes the job a little bit easier depending on what you're doing. So with a brand new release that's out now, it is a great time to try Text Expander. You can go to Textexpander.com slash podcast right now for 20% off your first year. Once again, that's Textexpander.com slash podcast. That'll get you 20% off. Thanks so much to Text Expander and Smile for their support of this show, for being such a fantastic piece of software. And thanks for supporting Relay. All right, folks, here is your bonus question. If you could eliminate one thing from your daily routine, what would you eliminate?
3: Andy Anatko, we'll start with you. Very easy. It would be sleep. I, I'm I'm no longer taking any pleasure from it. I'm just simply managing my life around this thing. I need to do. Or I need to get a certain quantity of it in order to be able to function for the rest of the day. So if I could have a 24 hour cycle without be without going insane, let me just make that clear. Without going insane, that would solve. So many problems.
0: Uh, I think if I could get all of the exercise I needed without going to the gym, I would choose that. If I could just instantly have that, all the exercise I need, that'd be great.
2: Can I say Work. I want to eliminate work from my daily routine. <laughs> I want to just play all day. Does, I mean, that, that seems way more fun than anything else.
1: Mine is going to have to be food, eating. And I personally would be a happier person because of it. Uh, thanks so much for all of your fun answers on that one. Uh, Dan, we have reached the end of another episode of Clockwise for real this time. And that means it's time to thank our fantastic guests. Andy and Notko, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for asking me.
0: And Lori Gill, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you. Andy, are you still in bed? Because you keep talking about not <laughs> doing things before 10 a.m. And where not I'm from, laptop. it's not 10 a.m. yet.
3: Uh, well, I'm still in bed, but at least I'm, I, have, <laughs> I, I have to pretend I'm not. <laughs> Love it.
0: And that, of course, is all we have time for this week. We'll be back next week. But until then, we remind all of you listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.